Pete Enns makes the argument that evangelical schools that offer PhDs are morally irresponsible due to a lack of positions available in today's climate. Is this true? Are there good reasons for a person to go to an evangelical school to get a PhD? Find out this and much more on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. Listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host, Brian Chilton. We welcome you uh, for this January 5th edition of the podcast. And uh, on a very, very cold, frozen day. In fact, uh, the United States this week has has been experiencing uh, some of the most brutal cold weather uh, that's been experienced since I think I've been reading since the early 1900s. In fact, uh, we are, I think, uh, one day this week, the national average temperature was nine degrees the balmy <laughs> balmy nine degrees and so it's been to say it's been cold is is definitely an understatement uh so but we have been uh, trying to thaw out a little bit here and uh and uh hope hopefully you're doing well wherever you may be we want to remind you that the bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellator uh, yeah, Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of BellatorChristie.com. We do encourage you to go to the website and be sure to subscribe while you're there. That way you'll receive all the latest articles and uh, and uh, links to the latest podcasts in your inbox absolutely free. And maybe you'd like to subscribe to the podcast and take us with you on the go. We're available on several different apps. We're on uh, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and uh, Google Play as well. So, uh, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, those are the four big apps that uh, on which we're located. So I uh, hope, hope you'll take advantage of that and be sure to let people know about the podcast and about the website and um, help us to continue to grow. We, we had a uh, pretty successful year this year, and if you go to the website, you'll see a link to the top ten articles uh, that are avail- that uh, have been most visited at Bellator Christie last year. And also, if you go to the website, I recently posted the top 10 challenges that the American church faces in 2018. And so, uh, and so obviously, a lot of issues going on, a lot of things we're facing, and, and um, so pray God's blessings upon the church, not only here in America, but also around the world. You know, while we are uh, facing... 
what uh, appears to be the cultural or the decline of cultural Christianity, which cultural Christianity does not mean it's a decline of Christianity in general, just those who identify themselves as Christians uh, because it's a popular thing to do. Uh, there's, uh, there's, have always, there's always been a difference between cultural Christians and authentic Christians. But having said that, there are many places around the world where Christianity is thriving. And this week I heard on a, an edition of Point of View uh, by, with Kirby Anderson that one of the fastest growing places in the world today where Christianity is growing the fastest, that is, uh, is in an unlikely nation, a place, uh, one of the least likely places you would probably have expected, and that is in the uh, nation of Iran. And uh, Iran is obviously, they're having some some uh, issues over there, and so they're wanting uh, more religious freedom. Obviously, if you're a Christian, you're living in uh, many places in the Middle East, then you are threatened. And so we obviously want to pray for uh, the individuals, Christian, our brothers and sisters, uh, who are in the Middle East and who are uh, places in Asia, all across the world, where they may be persecuted, especially in some areas in Africa as well, where the Boko Haram has has, uh, taken root. And so we obviously want to remember all of our brothers and sisters across the world uh, who may be persecuted for their faith and pray God's blessings to be upon them. So while we do have challenges in America, uh, and we, we do have some very difficult challenges that we may face, uh, we need to remember, uh, especially remember, our brothers and sisters across the world who are being persecuted for their faith. Today I want to talk about, I want to change gears, and I want to talk about an article. I'm hoping that this will be a brief podcast. You know, I've had I've, I've had a bad track record on this if the past uh, <laughs> few podcasts that we've done. Uh, I've, I've said something like, it's going to be a short podcast, and 45 minutes later, it turns out not to be a short podcast at all. But that's the preacher coming out, coming out in me, and so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But uh, I want to just make a quick mention today about a topic that uh, I came across on a uh, on a Facebook page uh, at Liberty University for the uh, PhD program for for instructors, professors who are part of this page, students who are part of this page, and uh, Dr. David Baggett had uh, wrote a res- had written a response to an article written by Peter Enns, and Peter Enns is a very influential person. Uh, he is a professor. Uh, at um, I was trying to look here and see if it showed where he taught. Um, I don't see this right offhand, but I think he is. Uh, he, he teaches uh, maybe Westminster. I'm not. I'm not sure if that's right or not. I'm thinking maybe Westminster, but uh, that that might not be right. But anyhow, uh, okay, wait a minute. That's Eastern University, according to what I'm seeing here online at St. David's, Pennsylvania. But uh, Peter Enns is a very influential individual, uh, great guy. You know, he earned his Ph.D. from Harvard University in Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations. He holds an M.A. from Harvard University in Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations as well. An M.D.F. from Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. A B.A. In, uh, from Messiah College in Behavioral Science and, and also from Rutgers University in Psychology. So obviously this guy is a well-trained individual. Uh, he is a... a, a he, he's a, he, he posts at uh, PeteInns.com, and it's there on his website where he has uh, he, he identifies himself as a college professor, and he uh, I think he may work in, in some uh, 
um, church ministry there as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But anyhow, long story short, uh, very influential guy, no doubt about that. But he wrote an article not long ago, uh, this is dated November 28, 2017, uh, where he talks about returning from the annual academia meeting of the SBL, Society of Biblical Literature, um, where he's a member, and, uh, and he talks about how many individuals who had had their PhDs for some time uh, can't find any teaching position or a financially viable one if they do. And uh, he says there are too many, and I'm reading from his article, too many people out there with earned doctorates in Bible and theology. There will never, he says, be enough jobs to accommodate the numbers. Schools are cutting down or downsizing programs, but the Ph.D. conveyor belt keeps moving along at a steady clip as if everything is just peachy. He says one problem in all of this that needs to be addressed with some urgency is the, and he puts this in bold face type, moral irresponsibility of academic institutions who blissfully offer degrees in fields for which there are no jobs. He says, I lay much of the blame on schools who boast of their top-flight Ph.D. programs, whether true or not, and continue to recruit students but are apparently oblivious to the fact that their graduates won't find any work in what they are what they think they're training for, a tenured track in positions in colleges, universities, or seminaries. But to be sure, let the buyer beware, he goes on to say, people who are bent on getting a Ph.D. should put their gray matter to work and figure out uh, what they are getting themselves into. But the brunt of the blame goes to the schools, he says. Here's what I think should be done to restore a bit of sanity in no particular order. Number one, he says schools should publish statistics on how many of their graduates over the last 10 years currently have full-time teaching positions, tenure track or not, and where. Number two, job should, uh, school, excuse, well, excuse me, let's start over. Schools should be transparent at the outset with any prospective student about the realities of the job market, tell them the truth. Number three, evangelical schools should not be in the Ph.D. granting business at all in a market like this. Now, that's where really the biggest part of contention comes from, that evangelical schools, in his opinion, should not be in the market. Uh, Their graduates will not be considered viable candidates for openings other than in conservative schools. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily um, true. Uh, now, while there are many schools who probably would not consider someone from coming from a conservative school, in fact, I know an individual who earned his master's degree at a conservative school who was not considered for a Ph.D. program in a, uh, in a more elite school. Okay, because and it's not it wasn't from the school in which I attend. It was another conservative school. So, so if this is the case, then it almost seems like you have to come from an elite school to be able to teach in an elite school, and um, and so I don't I don't know that this is uh, this this is necessarily always true. But anyhow, some students are fine with number three, but they need to know that they will be competing for those same jobs with other ideologically conservative students who are getting PhDs from top research universities. He says having a Ph.D. from Cambridge or Yale or, uh, or Harvard uh, looks better in school catalogs than a Ph.D. from conservative seminary university that offers a Ph.D. Number five, tell the students that it, they should have a solid plan B and tell them to make it their plan A. Uh, teaching overseas is a possibility. He says pastoring, unfortunately, seems to be the default option, but they should get out, get out of their heads the naive, idealistic fantasy of the scholar pastor delivering publishable sermons to an eager congregation. Now, now there's another issue. There are a couple of issues here that I have uh, that I take uh, issue 
with which I take issue. Obviously, I do think he is right in the fact that I think schools need to be upfront and honest with the students when they enter um, a Ph.D. program or any program, not just a Ph.D. program, but any degree that is offered, that is conferred out there, about how the job market looks. Quite honestly, a person can go online and they can uh, look up through several different websites looking at the job market. If you go through your state um, employment office, there should be some literature available online that will let you know uh, what the job market looks like for that particular field. But I think this is not only a problem with uh, Bible and theology. I think that this is, this is an issue with many different fields with, with the exception maybe of engineering or something like that, but many liberal arts fields are, are having the same type of issues. In fact, I know a person uh, who earned uh, from, from, from a person, a person just told me this today, I'm not going to mention any names, but a person told me this today of an individual who earned uh, from graduate school uh, a degree in, um, a, a, an advanced degree in, um, in, in, langu- in a language. And you would think that that person would be able to find a job, but but right now the the market is very tough. It's it's a very competitive competitive market out there. So this is not just true. I don't think just of the Bible and theology, but I think that this is true in many different fields and many different realms. Okay, so it's a tough market out there, folks. It's a tough market if you want to be a professor, if you want to be a teacher. It's it's a tough market. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I have a few observations, and I would defer you also to Dr. David Baggett. If you're part of this group on Facebook at Liberty University, I would defer you to much of what Peter Baggett says. I mean, excuse me, David Baggett says, because he offers a more more thorough and detailed response than I think that I will here. And so I would defer you, if you're interested in this, to to his to his response that he gave. On the uh, on the public post or on the post there at uh, Liberty's group page, if you if you're a part of that group, but uh, but but I want to just first of all say that, that that I think that from the outset, and I have four responses to, to this article about about dealing with evangelical schools and the PhD offering business. I do think evangelical schools should offer PhDs. I don't think it's morally irresponsible of them at all. But I want to say, before I get into that, I want to just say another word. You know, I, I, I was under the assumption, and maybe I'm a little naive about this as well, that the master program would allow a person to teach. And I had applied to a few different Bible colleges, and now Bible colleges, by and large, are, are requiring new professors to, to have a degree, to have a Ph.D., Okay, so so it's a catch twenty two. Okay, and some of these conservative schools will be looking for conservative professors. Now, I'm not. I agree completely with Pete Enson that there are not a lot of jobs out there. There are not a lot of you know places out there. But I'm hoping what I'm hoping will happen is that maybe the online uh, education bug will catch on for uh, universities overseas and, and will allow a lot of individuals uh, who, who are looking to teach to be able to teach overseas in an online environment. I think that would be excellent if, if, if that would be the case because, uh, because from what I'm understanding, uh, in other nations across the world, they are desperately needing more and more teachers 
to teach them the Word of God because there is such a revival taking place in different parts of the world. And, and, and Lord, help us to have that same type of revival to take place once again here in the United States. You know, obviously that would be the solution, that we would have another revival, that people would be in, would, would want to learn more about God, would want to learn more about His Word, and, and that we would have these schools flooded with individuals and then desperately needing more more professors to fill these roles. So obviously that would be one solution. But, uh, but, but uh, here's the thing. Here's one thing I would say before I get into these four points that I would like to make pertaining evangelical schools and PhDs. One is if you're interested in teaching, the only surefire way to guarantee you that you won't ever teach is to not get a PhD. Now, again, you don't need to have the rose-colored glasses going in there thinking that just because you have an earned Ph.D. or you have an earned degree in any field that that guarantees you a position because it may, you may even have a job, you may even have a degree in computer science or some, some of the more demanding fields out there, but that doesn't guarantee you that you're going to find a position. If you don't apply yourself, if you don't try, if you don't try to put the best foot forward, to make yourself, to really sell yourself. That's what you're doing. And unfortunately, that's the case. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things for individuals who are looking for jobs, not only in, in uh, Christian work, but also in, in other fields as well, is, is marketability. You, you have to market yourself. You have to sell yourself. You know, I was talking with my dad and you know, I have heard of cases where there are individuals who have no formal training I'm thinking of one person right now who had no formal training but was granted an honorary doctorate and taught at a prestigious university near where I live. And there are other individuals who have earned, uh, have performed earned graduate work who can't find similar positions because they don't have those connections. So I think connect, connectivity, networking, that has a lot to do with it, and that's not only true of the academic world. That's also true true of pastoring. It's also true of, of anything else. I've had individuals who have asked me, how do I get my name out there uh, to, to be considered for a pastorate? And I tell them, you've got to network. You've got to become involved. You know, And for individuals like, like myself who were more introverted, you know that can be a little more challenging for individuals who who are, are the more extroverted uh, kind. But here 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 are my four responses as as we talk about this issue and, and about PhDs and, and me, this is coming from myself who just has started a PhD program. Okay, at a, at an evangelical school. Okay, here are four insights that I think as to that I have as to why we need evangelical schools to offer Ph.D. programs. Number one, this is needed. It's not morally irresponsible. In fact, it's needed because we need a, a, a conservative evangelical voice in church. There may be, in contrary to what Peter Inn says, now this is true, he's right, he's right. I'm going to grant him he's right that you can't go in there if you have a Ph.D. or you're working on a Ph.D., you can't go in there and, and give a full exposition of uh, all the dates and, and theories and all of these things that, that uh, you find in an academic setting. You can't bring all of that to the congregation and expect them to stay with you. Most people are going to fall asleep on you. 
All right, they're looking for application. They want to learn the information, but they want application as well. How is this affecting me? They're asking, so what? Okay, this happened. What does this mean to me? Okay, and I don't think it's being selfish. They're just looking for that moral, spiritual application to their lives to see what they can take from that. So we definitely need, in contrast with what Pete N. says, I agree with Kevin Van Hooser that we need more pastor theologians Pastors who are contributing to journals and articles, who are publishing material, who have a voice in the academic world, even if it's um, publishing from from their pulpit, not publishing their sermons, but but uh, serving in the pulpit, but publishing articles and things of that nature. I think we have more of a need of that. In fact, let me just say this, and I've got to hurry along. I met a couple of millennial individuals, young men, who were who were distraught. At the fact that they have spoke, they spoke to their pastors about some deep theological issues, and their pastors were not willing to discuss those issues with them. Okay, and I think that's very troubling. So, so there's definitely a need for the pastor theologian. Number two, uh, evangelical PhDs from e- evangelical schools are needed because we need highly trained individuals to confront mounting attacks against Christianity. Tom Rainer said that the pastor of the future is going to be an individual who must continually be a learner. He must continue to learn. It's not one who goes through a program and says, I've learned all I need to know. I don't have to learn anymore. The pastor needs to be, in, in the 21st century and in centuries in the future, needs to be one who's always learning so that he can stand up against the uh, voices that speak against, Christ, against Christianity. This is in some ways an apologetic venture, and, uh, and so we need individuals trained in theology and apologetics to be able to do just that. Number three, uh, let me just go back and say, this is not to say that, that people from elite schools can't do this, but let me just say this, if you don't take the Bible seriously in what it says, if you don't take take the Bible as being uh, inspired and fallible and, and at least to some degree inerrant, um, and, and I know that is a, a, a word that is... Uh, under in, in, in a bit of flux right now but if you don't take the bible seriously if you don't t- think that moses really existed and you don't think that that uh, david really existed i don't think that you're going to have as strong a voice on these issues as as somebody who is very serious about their convictions and hold what the bible to say to be true in uh, and, and so i think we need more scholars from evangelical schools for that reason number three I think evangelical school evangelical schools need to, to be able to offer PhDs because we need a conservative voice in academia. And folks, our academic world is in well, and when I say academic world, I'm talking about the level of liberalism that has infiltrated the church. Rudolf Bultmann, whether you agree with him or not, he has definitely in, you know he's definitely had an impact on the church, and we need voices to be able to counter that effect. Uh, or his effect. Instead of trying to mythologize the Bible, we need individuals who are willing to stand for the truths of the of God's word, and who take those words seriously. And so, I don't think you're going to always find this. Uh, you, uh, you can find this. I'm not saying that you're never going to find this uh, from elite schools, because I think there are some individuals who are conservative, um, who come from some more of the elite schools. But it, it's um, 
and don't take me as knocking elite schools. I'm not saying that. But by and large, from what from my experience, from my limited experience, it seems like you have more conservative voices coming from evangelical schools than you do uh, other avenues. And last but certainly not least, uh, Dr. David Baggett wrote a wonderful piece in saying that we need people who are writing and contributing to journals, and this makes a person more marketable that way, but we need individuals writing in journals, writing, uh, period. And someone wrote, you know, being one who is not a five-point Calvinist, where are individuals, and, and there are some out there, David Baggett being one of it is one of them, who were who were non-Calvinists who were making an impact in theology, but the big question mark is, you know, why don't we have more of those writers? And we and we we could and we should. So we need people who would make an impact not only in the academic world, not only in the pastoral world, but also in in uh, with books as well in the written world as well. And we need individuals who would be writing and producing great material. Uh, to, to, to help individuals, not this fluff and puff stuff, not this cotton candy literature that we see out there coming from, from many places, you know, um, <laughs> by cotton candy I'm talking, you know, about material that is all fluff and sugary, but it contains no substance. We need some. We need more meat and potatoes type of material coming out there uh, for us, and so... These reasons are just the, the just the tip of the iceberg. I think there are many more reasons. So no, I don't think that evangelical schools are morally irresponsible. I do think they should, as was done for us, they should be open and honest about uh, the the job prospects out there to let people know. And I think Pete Inns does, by and large, give some great advice for for individuals that you need to have. Some uh, you know you, you know strive to get that that university position or that seminary position, but also have a plan B, maybe even have a plan C in the event that it doesn't come to pass. Uh, but keep trying. But here's the thing about it again, and, I, and again I say this: if you don't go for it and you don't earn it, then you can guarantee that you won't get a position. Uh, unless you're like that one person I told you about who uh, who had a uh, who had an honorary doctorate and just knew the right people and was part of a, of a political thing that uh, allowed this individual to teach. And, and la- unless you're an individual who has something like that going on, which is very rare that that takes place, then most likely you're going to need to do the work and get the, get the d- degree uh, that will be required for the position that you want. But in the end, I think the most important thing for anyone who is in a Ph.D., uh, program anyone considering a PhD program any, anyone concerning anyone concerning themselves about uh, going for a uh, degree of any kind I think you need to pray about it and obviously I think we need uh, as I mentioned before more highly trained pastors now don't take me wrong I'm not saying by this that I think that that it's mandatory that a pastor has a formal education but I am saying for us to be able to have an effect, you know, some, some pastors and some churches aren't going to be concerned about that. But if we're going to have an effect, if we're going to have an impact on this culture, we have to be individuals who are willing to, to study to show ourselves approved. And um, so, anyhow, I, I think evangelical schools are good. It's a good thing that evangelical schools 
our 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 uh, graduating individuals with PhDs. Because quite honestly, I, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. I don't know that I would want to go through a program where, um, I mean, do I think my faith could take it? Yeah, I think it could. But I wouldn't want to necessarily go through a program where I would have to, where I would be forced to write something that did not go along with my convictions. And so that's my two cents for whatever it's worth. And so, again, no matter what you may be thinking about doing, whether it's a Ph.D. in Bible theology, apologetics, whether it's a master's in, in something Bible-related, or if it's, if, it's, if it's a master's degree in mathematics or something like that, or a bachelor's degree or an associate degree, pray about it. And understand that de- just a degree does not automatically guarantee you a job, but you have to work for it. You have to, to put your best foot forward. You have to network. And so no matter what we do in, in this 2018 year before us, let us do it for the glory of God. If you're getting a Ph.D., do it for the glory of God. It, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. And I think God will bless us for it. Well, you've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Brian Chilton. God bless you, and we hope to see you back next week at the same time, same place. You're listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by Bellator Christie. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi Podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. What does it take to get here? To achieve your career goals and reach new heights you never thought possible. To find new ways to lead others and to make your family prouder than they've ever been. It takes world-class education, support from those around you, and a learning environment that allows you to grow in your faith. It's your time to shine brighter with Liberty University Online. Call us today at 888-461-6473 or visit brighterwithliberty.com to learn how you can shine brighter. We want to talk to you about a new book that has just come out of bookstores by our pastor, Michael Catt. Michael's had a huge impact on our lives. He called us to Albany. He preaches powerful messages. He just finished a series on Philippians. I love the book of Philippians. It talks about the, the humbling of Christ, uh, this same mindset being, uh, being in us, and then also the promises that we have in Philippians 4, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and he's going to supply all of our needs. So as we explored Philippians with our pastor and congregation, Our pastor put these principles and truths in this book, The Power of Purpose, by one of our favorite publishers ever, B&H Publishing. So you can get this book today. We encourage you to check it out. Take care.